Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to episode 21 of the official Geek Speak podcast. I'm your host, Sean, and joined as always is my co-host, Josh Rudy Rudolph. This is a podcast where we watch movies, make movies, play games, and more. Last week, we we made movies, and this week we we watched movies. What crazy else can you ask cycle for? Goes. What? I said crazy how the cycle goes. And we gotta play games soon. I got games in mind for us to do. Well, yeah, better. I, I have a fun game where we could like rank things. <laughs> wow. I know, crazy. This week we will be talking about the Black Phone, starring Ethan Hawke and a young boy. Next episode will be on Stranger Things Season 4, and the following episode will be about Thor, Love, and Thunder. Sounds pretty fun. And every episode we go through a different Disney Channel original movie. I say every episode. Most episodes we go through a different Disney Channel original movie, or DCOM for short. And we will see how in a short period of time, the biggest media company on Earth, Disney, caters towards solely children with a large sample size. We will see any quality changes, etc. And this episode will talk about Alley Cat Strike. And that will be right now. Whoa, Josh, now we're in decom time. Oh, wow, that's crazy. This is totally the exact same day in recording as before. Exactly. Nothing has ever changed. It's not three days later, and we're both extra tired. Exactly. This is the most pure my brain has been. <laughs> what does that even mean? I don't know. So, we watch, like I said before, a different Disney Channel movie almost every episode to try and see how if Disney is doing a series... You know, I can't talk today. I've already said this part. <laughs> this part's been said before in this episode. I'm moving we past talk, it. We talk Disney movies made for kids. They're on a TV network. There you go. And we see how quality can change because it's targeted solely towards kids. So how do they value kids and, and how do they value kids' thoughts? Sometimes they can be good and sometimes they can be Alley Cat Strike. Um, this is my biggest nay yet. Oh, for sure. It is, the dialogue is horrendous, first off. I don't like saying this word, but maybe this is just because of my extra tired brain. I despised this. Uh, I t messaged you while you were at work and I was watching this movie, saying, I've never wanted the protagonist to lose so badly. It's, oh my god. They're not, I, it, it doesn't, nothing in this movie really matters. <laughs> nothing matters. What's at stake is a fucking bronze apple trophy. That's it. <laughs> I Okay, so this movie is 
What if Eagleton versus Appleton involved kids? Appleton there... versus Wait. <laughs> Eagleton versus Pawnee. <laughs> there's, there's no. When I was watching this, I had an epiphany. There's an entire Simpsons episode about uh, Springfield versus Shelbyville involving like a lemon tree. This is that episode stretched out to a movie, but so much worse. There's a lot of movies and shows about like a town feud and stuff, uh, or about whatever dumb thing, and that's fine. If but they don't, they don't even make it. it. They don't even give them any rivals to fight against. Like, yes, obviously there's the other bowling team that they're going up against, but there's nothing to them. We don't see. There's no rivalry between them, and there's nothing. It, it's between the two mayors. That's it. And I, all they want is it's they just won an apple trophy. Okay, so here's what the basics of the plot is. Wait, hold there's on, a, Josh. They also had on the line apple pies or fresh apple cider. Oh no! <laughs> also, forty apple pies is not a lot for a town. No, then it was. Then there was okay, but here, 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 what? here, 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 <laughs> here. Listen. So the plot of this amazing Are film. You okay. No, the plot of this amazing film. This town has a real fucking hard on for apples, <laughs> um, specifically a bronze apple trophy. Wait. And ev and every year they every year they compete in sports for said apple trophy. Wait. And this year it is the win all for this for Wait. this goddamn trophy. Gosh. And. And the final sport will be bowling. But uh, Big uh, Macklemore, famous rapper, uh, he's <laughs> like, I, I play basketball. I, I don't do bowling. Bowling's for nerds and dweebs. For and then he has to... Wait, hold on, hold on. For the record, the rapper is not in this. <laughs> no, but the character's name is Macklemore, so every time I hear his name, I just start singing Thrift Shop. As you should. Anyway, anyways. A, a big he... heart on for a trophy. <laughs> I kid you not. <laughs> But anyways, they start, uh, he joins the bowling team, and he's just like, ah, you nerds, here, watch this. He shoots it like a basketball, it goes into the other lane. He doesn't actually do that, but that would have been hilarious if he did. Um, and it's, he's bad, but then he learns the value of friendship. Yeah, and so does their parents, and the mayors. But, but, of course, the, the bronze apple trophy is the most important thing ever. Was this the first draft of the script? I... I don't know if there was a draft. Also, Kaylee Cuoco is in this. This is like one of her first acting roles, and thank God her career uh, was able to survive I, after this. I don't. I haven't seen her in Big Bang Theory in a long time. Which kid was she? Was she the blonde one or the small child? The blonde one. Okay. This is like a it was like a few years before uh, before Big Bang uh, that's came right. out. I had to get my time. I, that's what I thought. But I'm like, the little kid also looked like her, so I didn't know. And what, what was their relation? Like, like there's a they small just, girl. I think Why that was they she were. There? Just, I think they were just all friends. Why were they friends the, with the small child? At first, I thought the little girl was like his sister. Nope. He, he does have a sister. She comes in the end, the little baby sister. My first note is a quote, of course, and it's from some weird, cool people, and then they see the main character and his friends and say, "Hey, it's the strange dudes." Hey, strange dudes, what's up, strange dudes? See you like five times! But the first line is, hey, it's the strange dudes. They, there's there's no reason for them to say this. All they do is bowl. Also, in that same moment, the little girl is trying to be all cool, She's and she has this awesome math thing about basketball, like how I could beat all of you from the square root of the x-axis, and the matrix will be the board. I'm like, you're also saying nonsense? Can you at least make it accurate nonsense? 
Yeah, if you're going to wow them with your math skills, I can tell you on the basketball court, you do not have the time to do said math to figure out what's the best angle for shooting. Also, no. I, I really hate when people do that kind of trope. Like, it's like, oh, I just know geometry. I can do this, this problem. I can solve it. That's not how it works. Spider-Man No Way Home. <laughs> uh, when the pep rally started, I kept thinking of Hawkins season four speech. <laughs> Evil dies tonight, y'all. Uh, what Lord. was with these random freeze frames and voiceover parts? <laughs> Thank you. I don't get why those were there, but every freeze frame they did was terrible. They were all a jump scare for me. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's disappointing? This is from the director of Genius, a oh. film that we both like. <laughs> oh, I know. Uh, I also had a note about Genius in this as well. Saying, why are there so many almost sports movie decoms? Brink, Genius, Giant Tsunami, the 13th year, and this. You see, what the problem is, is that Disney, as so far in these, is trying to make really niche sports that aren't popular, like football and basketball, and they're trying to make them popular, like basketball and football, and my god, does it not work. Yeah, it's been skating, hockey, swimming, bowling, and surfing? No, skiing. It was both. Yeah. But they, like, the final game of this, they make it seem like that it's, like, the Super Bowl for high schoolers. And I'm just like, no one in their right mind would be this going this crazy over a bowling game. I will say that in small some small towns that, like, they have rivalries, rivalries? It's yes. small, it's, <laughs> what? In some I, small towns that have rivalries, it does get the serious for things. I... My my retaliation to that is, my note was, these towns really have a hard-on for a fucking Apple trophy. See? This is what happens when you don't allow foreign cinema in small-town America. <laughs> what? I don't know. Afterwards, I wrote, I don't know, it's 3 a.m., my brain's broke. The reason that the main kid, Macklemore, is even playing bowling, he's a cool kid, he's good at basketball, and he has uh, golf, and he has baseball, and he has home runs. He's good at every single sport. He doesn't have fun in it anymore. He's doing it just to do sports because he's a sports guy. He's on the radio all the time. The whole town adores him, uh, which is like pretty small town America kind of thing that happens, genuinely. But, yeah. But uh, apparently one of his friends signed up to be on the bowling club the first day of school as a joke. He never went because he didn't always sign up for it. And so the bowling teams had to compete, and this bowling club... All members can compete, and now the cool, popular kid is on their team with the with the strange dudes. Oh no! They read off the list of people, but his dad reads it off, and so he says Todd Macklemore is on the list. And then there's a pause, a genuine pause, before everyone just fake laughs in the room. There are so many weird deliveries in this movie, yeah, and weird timing things. I also hate the editing. I hate it. Oh, the editing is bad in this. I hate it. And I'm not trying like, to trash a movie. The whole point of the thing is, is that we are trying to see the good and the bad and how Disney can shift over time. And this is very much the 2000s shift. Speaking of <laughs> Speaking of the editing, there was a cut of when Cool Kid Macklemore is talking to his friends just like, uh, I'll be the best bowler ever. You'll see rock music at a diner. And then it cuts awkwardly to a tree, like, you know, with yellow leaves. And you hear, like, Lord of the Rings type music. There's absolutely no segue to this. It's the hardest cut I've ever seen in my life. And I'm just bewildered by it. The one really, really good bowler on the team has to help teach him how to play. And they become kind of fake friends for a little bit or, or real friends at the end. But, like... He's kind of stringing them along, so he's bringing them to cool parties. They're going out to diners to have it on the on the radio together. Now they're now, he's making the unpopular kid popular with everyone. 
at least temporarily. That's my that's one of my favorite things from this movie is that like it's not even bad that he's making friends with other people, but his friends make it seem like it's a terrible thing. I'm just like, oh no, our friend, he's learning how to socialize. Oh the humanity. Yeah. Also, Tim I, Reed from this, who played Macklemore's dad, was also Hyde's dad in that Sammy show, and it took me out the entire time. <laughs> One of my favorite quotes from this, and it made me lose my mind, that it was the mayor uh, talking to, I think, the principal of the school about, like, oh, they're going to make us do bowling, and then the mayor's just like, we'll sue the East. Then I, then I wrote, my brother in Christ, it's an Apple trophy, you could buy one for $10. <laughs> The strange There's... dude, who's good at bowling, at one point yelled, Mighty Apple, Schmighty Apple. And I'm like, yes! You see the issue then! Can we move this... past this? And it's it's the it's the catalyst for the entire plot. I'm also convinced that the three main kids are time travelers. Um, sure, let me explain. sure, why let, not? Let me explain. <laughs> Especially the kid with glasses, specifically. He has not listened to anything music-wise, since the 50s. He is so averse to it. Yeah. He is obsessed with older, easier games, sports games like bowling that make him feel like he can do it and stuff. Um, he has no real friends. And my conclusion is he's stuck in the 2000s, but he was from the 60s. You know what? I'll take it, because this movie is made me hate jazz for a very short period of time. Also, why did he thrust the ball like that across, like, four lanes? I don't know! This guy, Macklemore, has never seen a bowling match his entire life, apparently. Because he just yanked, like, this ball out and just threw it across the entire alley. I'm like, what? What are you doing? It's not and a what's even thing. weird. What's weirder is that earlier, he was practicing bowling and was doing it normally. Right, and he's like, I'm gonna yank this ball. I'm so uh, confused by this movie. I I wrote a note of when they went to, like, the first party of the movie. It was supposed to be, like, a typical high school party. And, like, you look at, like, every group in the background. All they're doing is just huddled together and, like, just bobbing yes, their heads yes. up and down. I, 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 <laughs> my next note was, there's an extra at the party who's just bobbing his head nonstop and his purple shades on. All yeah. he's doing. The actors in this movie are actually pretty funny. There's in the end, like very end scene, when everyone's like celebrating. There's a guy in a gray shirt just wandering around looking for a friend. He's confused. Yeah. Um, if you wa if you do watch this movie, just watch the background characters. You'll get a way more fun out of it. Yeah. Okay. There, there was a moment of when Cool Kid Macklemore was trying to solve a seven to ten split, and it, they tried to make it a montage. But the only mo part of a montage for it was just him like throwing the ball. So all he could do was just speed up the footage. That's and, all they could do. And there was reused footage in there too. Yeah. Oh, I had that same thing. Like, if you don't have footage for a montage, don't make it seem like you're doing a montage. Oh, gosh. oh, my my favorite note from Awkward Kid with Glasses was swing music sets the mood. And I'm like, no, no, it doesn't. <laughs> I love how the his friends were getting mad that Ma Cool Kid Macklemore threw like a bowling party at, at the bowling alley. And I wrote, how dare he help our friend's family business do well? Who does he think he is? Final few notes, there's one good, genuinely good line. That's like, the whole message for the film. If our kids is different isn't necessarily bad, just different. Which is from the dad to his son. Um, that's the one thing in this movie that kids can be like, okay, good. I could have been told that and moved on with my life. But there's lines like they're trying to be funny. It do not work. Just, just stick out completely. Like 
Do you guys think that you'll call me, oh, Captain, my Captain? Including those pauses. He had those exact same pauses. Yeah. Very awkward. But, like, why would you even bring that up? You're not, you could tell the actor didn't want to say it. <laughs> I was, like, half paying attention throughout most of this movie. I missed not a single thing because it's so generic in its plot and characters that it did not matter if I missed anything because I missed nothing. Also, in that, I, in that first party scene, it looked so bad in the daytime. Oh, yes. In the nighttime, it looked fine. It looked like an actual party. Like, middle of the day, you also could tell how empty it was. <laughs> Did not like that. I was uncomfortable. <laughs> Why are there so many bushes everywhere? As I said before, my biggest problem with this movie is the catalyst of the plot is just an apple trophy. That is all these characters are fighting for. That is all the story's about, and it doesn't no, no, matter no. in the slightest. They raise the stakes to naming the school something different. <laughs> Which makes no sense. Why would there be two high schools that would be become named East East High School or whatever it was? There's only one high school. Oh, oh, I did not get that's, that at that's all. That's why it's all changed the name to this. I'll change the name to this. It'd be a oh a shame. And that's why the end of school was like they said no, we'll name it Central uh, Appleton. So okay, everyone involved better. Either way, that's not a big deal. Like, Horse Sense had bigger stakes in it than this does. I wrote that down! I wrote that I would prefer watching Horse Sense again. Which is something I did not think I was going to say. Because, like I said before, Horse Sense wasn't bad. It was just, okay, boring, whatever. This made me want to turn off every scene. I wish that this was about Alley Cat's striking. I don't know what they would be striking, <laughs> but it would be far more entertaining than this. My final note is, is this entire movie named after a song? Is that the reason this movie exists? Or was this swing song written specifically for this movie? We will Either not way, I have questions. We will not look it up because I don't care enough. Nay. N hard nay. Moving don't watch this one. <laughs> so moving on to the news now, Josh? Sure. What a movie that was that we both have not seen yet. Quite a conversation we have in the future. Ah, crazy. So what we do often is we record that part separately as we watch the movie, and then we just insert that audio into here, which is what we just did. Why? No, you you can't give away the secrets. Fine. It was magic. Thank you. Ellie Cat Strike. It was either a yay or a nay. We don't know yet, but our past I selves did. I certainly say a word. Was the word... Maybe. Okay. So, Josh, we have the news, like always. We go through the decom, and then we got the news, and we have our main topic, and then we have our super weird story. And the super weird story is like superhero comic book-based stories that are weird, peculiar, or wholesome, or whatever. Sound good for an episode? Yeah, I guess. You tired? Always. Well, wake up, bitch. We got life to live. <laughs> nah! And remember, you can say yay or nay on all this, and for I like to say yay for all the wrong reasons. The I like time. to I like to say I'm indifferent just to make Sean mad. That's against the rules. <laughs> Josh and I have a thing that we used to do early on where we said yay or nay for all the wrong reasons. Like last episode, we talked about Spider-Man: No Way Home re-release, and I gave it a nay because the title was too long, and he gave it a yay because he likes long titles. So if this is your first episode. Welcome to the show. If you're a trained listener, thank you for coming back. Josh, Rudy, boy Hi. who cried wonderness. We got new movies. As we said last time with upcoming movies, this week we got Elvis. We got Minions Rise of Gru, which just came out. Uh, we got Marcel the Shell with shoes on, where I couldn't see. It was not playing in a theater near me. Same. I was furious. I was trying to see it. I'm still going to try. 
I might not be able to use my AMC stubs for it. Instead, just buy a ticket, like a Regal or something. But I will see it. I will. And we also got the Black Thumb, which is the main topic for today. And soon, next week, we get Thor 4. Thor Love and Thunder. And also, after that, the next week after that, we got Paws of Fury and Where the Crawdads Sing. Both of which I had never heard of. I've heard of both. One looks good. One looks... Which there. one looks good to you? Where the Crawdads Sing. It looks like an actual movie. Uh, Paws of Fury looks like someone barked out an animated film and got Michael Sarah to voice it. That sounds magical. What do you mean? Have you seen <laughs> Sausage Party? <laughs> uh, so, yay or nay on... Sorry, boo or woo? Uh, wait, hold on. Never mind. You've seen Elvis. <laughs> so for you, did you overall enjoy the three-hour Elvis movie about the white man? <laughs> Indeed, Elvis was white, same as Tom Hanks. Um, my brief ultra mini review of it: uh, good movie, very stylistic. If you've ever seen Baz Luhrmann's other films like Moulin Rouge or Great Gatsby, then you'll be very familiar with his style. I will say my only issues with the film stem from it following a lot of the same story tropes from music biopics like Bohemian Rhapsody, um, films like that, and it's being almost three hours long there are times when the pacing is fantastic and times when the pacing is terrible okay um, hold on hold on would you rather watch this again or walk hard or do a cock story again okay that's unfair it has to be walk hard there we go that's the, the bar for all musical biopics now which would you rather watch <laughs> that's the so yes yeah all right. but, but yes, well, if, well, if you see Walk Hard, then this will hit a lot of the same beats. There is a good movie here, great performances. Tom Hanks is interesting in this film. Um, I can't explain what he's doing, but by God, he's doing something. I'm not a fan of the fat suit they put him in. It's not a good it's thing. Just, to... <laughs> it's just so much. <laughs> That's uh, the best I can explain it. A friend of the podcast, Bueller, thinks that uh, Baz Luhrmann directed a Batman film, and they got stylized and fun. And that sounds really cool to me. I'd be fascinating. It'd be a fun movie. Even if it's not In good, it'd be fun. Indeed. And it's also refreshing that, as far as I'm aware, Austin Butler did all the singing um, for this movie. So that was nice to see. Since last episode, I've watched Jurassic Park 2, which is titled oh, incorrectly. Yeah. It should be titled Jurassic Park The Lost World. Instead, it's titled The Lost World Jurassic Park. Why well, it is annoys this? Me. It, it annoys me just as much as it annoys you. Uh, the worst naming conventions, though, is for Fast and the Furious. So what do you mean? It's genius. <laughs> the fourth one's called Fast and Furious. Okay, yes, that one was dumb. The first one's the Fast and the Furious. It, what is happening? Uh, minions, you've not seen it yet, have you? I'm seeing it tonight. You actually? Yeah, my little brother wants to go. What time are you going? Uh, I guess after we are done recording. Okay, it sounds good to me. I'm going to give the uh, next week's Thor hopefully a woo. I pray to God it'll be a woo. I like things being good. And last time, you gave a, a very, very slight woo to the black folk because you were nervous. I gave In it the level of woo like I'm watching a musician outside and not like a <laughs> Comic-Con level woo. And now I think I'm going to go with, a, I'm at Comic-Con, I'm wooing this trailer. It was really fun. Yes, horror movies I'm always weary on because a lot of them usually aren't super great for one reason or another. But I give it a definitive woo or yay, however it is we do it, now that I've seen it. Woo is for future things that are movies that are coming out sometimes. The rules are very wishy-washy. 
But we do have news. Crazy. Ready for the news? I guess. Ezra Miller is back, baby. <laughs> Every episode for like the past few months has we, been Ezra we, Miller. We did not put Ezra Miller in last episode. We did, and then we cut it out because I'm like, this is not eventful news. Because uh, it got too intense. And now we have a definitive Flash-based news with Ezra Miller. So it's right back in the nerdy cycle again. The news is WB said stop. <laughs> A.K.A. Warner Bros. officially said, in quotes, regardless if there are more allegations or not, there will be no more uh, Ezra Miller being moved on with the Flash in future projects. But there's also no decision made on how to handle the involvement in the current fil Flash film yet. Which I understand it's complicated. So, we'll see how that goes. It's gonna be... Uh, it's gonna be a shitstorm when they have to start marketing the movie, because it doesn't come out for, like, another year now. But, like, even still, no matter what happens, it's always gonna be looming over it, and there's no dancing around it. If you're not familiar with Ezra Miller and what happened, um, that's great. Look at that. Just, <laughs> no, no, don't. Just look, just be blissful and don't get into this. It's it's bad. Ezra Miller, get some help. Go to, go to, go to prison for a little bit. You've done some stuff. Yay on WB's decision on actually making a statement and definitively saying we're done with this person for the future. Yeah, that's definitely the right call. On to other problematic superhero news! <laughs> oh, joyous day. The most expensive fan film ever going to be made. Uh, it's called Spider-Man Lotus. I love the costume design overall. Uh, the cast looked good. They had cool teasers and trailers. The plot looked fascinating. It was based on some really, really cool Spider-Man comics. Um, and then something happened. Ooh, quite there, fast, to be honest. There were leaked DMs. Oh, when I say most expensive feature film, fan film ever made, over $100,000 were going to go into this. Donated by fans and viewers. Excited to see this. And at, I feel real bad for them now. Yeah, at the wake of all this news coming, which I'll tell you, tell you what it is in a second, many of them have been asking for refunds, or at the very least... Do not put my name in the credits anymore that I bought. Oh my god. Uh, how best to describe it, as Alfred once said. <laughs> Spider-Man well. Lotus is a film that the lead actor, what's his name again? Warden Wayne, yes. Warden Wayne is the lead actor for Spider-Man Lotus, who had DMs of conversations with people leaked. And the DMs had him using the N-word a lot, and him being overly... And just generally very racist. Um, yeah. And then the director came out and said, uh, well, I knew these past actions. Um, since Spider-Man is about second chances and we're trying to move past it, this was in his past. Lo and behold, there were recent discussions <laughs> of this, actually. Not in the past. And the director were, was also caught saying bad and racist things. The funny thing is that the director, after the uh, first DMs got leaked... Someone else came and leaked even more DMs of the director, named Gavin Knopp. And the best part of that is the person who leaked, the person who saw the opportunity to leak the director's racist DMs and other problematic stuff was a 15-year-old kid who had a grudge against him since he was nine years old. And this was waiting. Kid has been waiting. He's been waiting for this opportunity for years. <laughs> And I'm not going to read out the full statement. I just wanted to touch on this. We're not going to get into this very much. I just thought it was very funny. Someone called them out. Great for them for calling them out. 
the funny part of this is if you know Flash and Flashpoint memes, uh, there's a villain <laughs> called the Reverse Flash, and this 15-year-old kid has the meme, it was me, Barry, all along, as their Twitter banner, and they went off about how they've been plotting this for the past, like, six years. And that's fantastic. Uh, he waited until just the right moment to really, really, really bring Gavin down. And good. Call out racism in the community. Call out bad people. Call out problematic people. Hold them accountable. I will not be watching Spider-Man Lotus anymore. There are other good Spider-Man fan films that appear to be made soon. Also, there's a Superman film called Superman Solar that looks like it's going to be cool if you are interested in fan films. Because I enjoy the ideas of fan make fans making more art. Yeah. Even if it's not good, at least try something. This whole thing has been very fascinating, to yeah. say the least. Indeed. As we talked about, talked about last episode, go and make something even if it's bad. That's part of the fun of it. So, I support making good art if you're a good person trying to make something genuinely good and wholesome. What's ironic is that Spider-Man Lotus is going to be about how hopeful Spider-Man is and helping a, a sick child and all this other really sweet stuff to find out that this Spider-Man was not the right Spider-Man for the role. It's I I still love the one of the first things I saw was a panel from the Spider-Verse comic, whatever that one was, um, where one of them is just like, Am I the racist Spider-Man? And now definitively we have one in the multiverse. Yeah. Moving on, we have news about Craven the Hunter. Two newses back to newses? Two parts of Spider-Man Craven the Hunter movie news starring Aaron Taylor Johnson back to back. The first thing is actually really cool to me that they shot every scene on location. Whether on location means in a cityscape, whether it means in the jungle, we don't know what on location was, but Aaron said the entire thing was shot on location. I am not kidding. Pretty cool. I give a yay to that part. Yee. Yay. Um, I really hope. It's all set like in a petting zoo. <laughs> because the next part of the news is about Craven the Hunter. A direct quote. Because in an interview with Variety, star of the movie, Aaron Taylor Johnson, said uh, a quote that seems to be a bit of a drastic change from the base character. Um, Wait a bit. Yeah. The quote... <laughs> I'm still laughing at this. I'm sorry. He described Craven, one of Marvel's most iconic and notorious anti-heroes, Spider-Man's number one rival. None of that is first off accurate. Correct. He's not a rival of Spider-Man, he's not even an anti-hero. But sure, let's call it that for the Sony universe that has Vulture and Morbius and Venom and stuff. Uh, he noted how the character is not an alien or a wizard. Thank you, Aaron. <laughs> and he said, he's just a hunter, a human with conviction. Yeah, but then added on, he's, and I quote, an animal lover and protector of the natural world. He's a very, very cool character, end quote. What? What? This is not typically how Craven is seen. Craven the Hunter, it's in the name. He wears lion pelts and tiger pelts. He has the head of a lion on his back often. Wearing, like, cheetah skin pants. His, like, his house, whenever you see it in comics, there are dead animals hanging everywhere. Uh, the most famous comic ever is called Craven. Uh, he has 
It's Craven's last hunt, and it's gruesome, and it's him coming to terms with his own morality, and also how much he's hunted, and how many animals he has killed. Now, this can be interpreted two ways, because this does lead into the fact that in the comics, Craven does genuinely admire and respect his kills. He is, he like, he's a hunter for sport, but he only wants to hunt the biggest game, the hardest kill, and he respects the creature for putting up the fight that they put up. That's why he loves the hunt. So, when it says animal lover, it could be like animal respecter, despite the killing them. That's the way that the hopeful interpretation. The other interpretation is the point blank, he loves animals and wants to protect them. To me, that's what it's going to be going for, because Sony seems to be on the track record of taking these characters that are most most of the time usually either pure villains or a weird mixture of an anti-hero, but sometimes also a villain, and just making them either straight anti-heroes or weird heroes, as I like to say. Like, Morbius wasn't really the bad guy in Morbius. He really wasn't. <laughs> Venom was a weird mixture of bad and good in the first one for a bit. Um, for, like, the first, like, ten minutes Venom showed up, he was kind of an anti-hero, then the rest, he had to be a good guy. Then Let There Be Garnage, he was just a straight-up hero. Yeah. Still eating people, but not, it was, whatever. Let's just say that Sony doesn't understand their properties. And yet they continue to make them. The best part is there's a leaked, potentially, like, beat to the story. It's pretty funny. I'm not going to talk about that, because I don't want to make, make sure there's no spoilers involved if it is real. However... The end credit scene is he finds a vampire and a vulture and decides, hey, let's stop some robberies and team up together. What? That, I can't tell if that's worse than the Morbius post-credit scene, but it's about as bad as the Morbius post-credit scene, if it is true. Uh, this is, I'm giving this an, a yay. Want to know why? Sure. Because I'm excited to see the the hatred that this brings solely because I hope that Sony stops. So it's a they yay for all the wrong reasons, Josh. I'm giving it a yay because I want them to re-release this like they re-released Morbius. <laughs> yes, never mind. That's my new reason. That is the best reason ever. The fact that Sony does not seem to understand that nobody, that A, nobody wants these movies, especially now anymore, and B, nobody likes them when they see them, and yet they continue to make them. Uh, anyway, moving on to something better. You like Lord of the Rings, right? I showed you those it's movies. A, it's a thing. A good thing or a bad thing? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, all right. I'm sending you a picture. A picture? You've always going to know, but still. It's actually a tweet. This is the first look of the Amazon series The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. Bad title. Uh, orcs in the series. I'm uh, saying that's the first makeup. Yeah, I'm saying that's the first look, but again, I know you guys can't see the picture, but if you look up the orcs from Amazon's Lord of the Rings Rings of Power, or if you've already seen the pictures, they look incredible. I've already made a TikTok about this, but that first picture is kind of what I picture Green Goblin to look like if he was green. Like that yeah. kind of hood and stuff, that look of the character. Looks great. I love it. These orcs look fantastic. They look like um a little more like goblin you think is an orcs, but I really dig it. They, I don't know what they remind me of. They remind me of something. Kind of like in Bright, the orcs a little bit. But not yeah, in a bad the, way. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm very happy that Amazon really is putting in the money for the show. Um, to be not just big and grand, but to like actually like look legitimate. 
Yeah, and that the third picture on that list I sent you looks straight up like a comic book villain. I love it. The rags, mm-hmm. the knives, looks so good. This is a great first look. I'm excited for this. Me too. Everything from that series has been a yay for me so far. I'm giving this a yay still. Does it come out this year or does it come out next year? I think this year. But you know what's pretty crazy? We can't look it up. It is impossible to look any, any facts up. You know that? It's well, pretty It's pretty impossible. Uh, September 2nd is when it comes out. You just wow, that's broke real, what that's I just really said. Soon. I just said it's impossible, Josh. Well, too bad I made it possible. Oh, wild. September, I am, I am stoked for that. That sounds awesome. We have other news that you finished a TV show. Congrats. You finished Kenobi. Oh, yeah, that, that's a thing. Yay or nay overall? We're not going to piss off Star Wars fans here. Just yay or nay overall? I will say yay because that final episode really does save it. I think it should have stayed a movie like it was supposed to. It desperately should have. Um, but overall, yay. Also, Last Jedi is good. If you... True. If you like the series, you McGregor said he might come back still. I That's, don't think it should have a second season. No, no, no. For a movie. Now. Ah, I don't think that should happen. You don't want a Hugh McGregor Obi-Wan movie? I, th- I thought the appeal of this was to see um, him and Hayden back one last time, and I think that if this is the last time we would see them, it was a good way for them to go out. But Disney being Disney and people being people, we're going to get more, sadly, and it's just going to be too much. Well, you said he wants to come back, so... But, but the character... <laughs> For a movie and not set in the exact same location, maybe some more time in Coruscant with all the meetings, Josh. All of the meetings. I just, I'll take anything that isn't another desert planet. I'm so sick of them. They're fun. (laughs) It's just sand. At least in Dune, they added things like giant sandworms. Has sand in the name too, Josh. You know, I've not seen this show, but I'm going to give it a yay because it's making Josh upset that there might be more. <laughs> so Top Gun Billy Club. Oh yeah, Top Gun the Maverick hit the billion dollar club. It made over a billion dollars now. I would love for a third Top Gun film to be called Top Gun Billy Club. <laughs> About Daredevil with his Billy Club. Indeed. Uh yay in the movie Josh that it hit a billion dollars. Or nay. Yay indeed. I am still yet to see it. I said I was gonna see it, and I haven't yet. But it's still in well, theaters for now, so I should watch Top Gun still and watch the second one. Well, you better. Yay! I'm gonna get this movie getting a billion dollars. Uh, a nay for maybe the wrong reason, but I don't want Tom Cruise to get an even bigger head. His, have you seen what he was like in the early 2000s? Uh, yeah, I need him to take a chill pill and stop. But he keeps doing crazy stunts, so that's fine. This is just the ride of seeing how long will it take for him to die doing these movies. My, I'm, I'm going out on a limb here, and I'm not the first person to say this, but I think after the next two Mission Impossible movies, which will be the last ones, that that's like going to be his end to action, and he'll go back to doing dramas like he used to do. So I'm mad at Michael Waldron all the time. Why? He's not the best writer. He also is a straight white man writing about queerness that he has no idea how, how to write it for, and Loki and stuff. And I don't like a lot of what he did in Doctor Strange, but I will say this. This has been fascinating. He talked about Multiverse of Madness, again, because he wrote it, which is fine. He said that in the scene, uh, this is no spoilers, don't worry, no spoilers, everyone. But Wasp was going to be in this in the, in the movie instead. And at one point, 
This because this didn't happen. Wasp is not in the movie. Sorry if you've not seen it and you thought Wasp was going to be it. Be in it. She's not in it. If you thought she was going to be in it, I'm more confused. Well, because you never know who can be in the movie. It's craziness. Remember, it's Mulder's Madness. That's the whole title. Wasp was going to shrink down and fly at Wanda Maximoff in the scene, and Wanda was just going to clap her hands and smash the Wasp in the first draft. <laughs> so that's pretty funny. Uh, yeah. I give that a yay solely because I think it's funny. Like, just a smack dead. Indeed. Yep. Moving on from there. Sure. John Williams is a, a wonderful composer, right? Yeah. He's stopping composing. Potentially. I'm not. I'm um, no. He suggested in an article by AP News that he may retire as film composer after Indiana Jones Five. But it's, it's already done filming, so so he might be done. But what what is? Spielberg gonna do when if he retires. John Williams is ninety years old. He deserves to be done. No, he will continue to make music all the time, even if he's five thousand years old. Correct. I'm gonna say yay because I think he's earned the idea that to say I can just relax. I say nay because I think that Spielberg is gonna go into an existential crisis. Turning ninety, which was an event at the Kennedy Center. And Tanglewood, are, that was celebrating birthday concerts and stuff, he caused him to reflect on his accomplishments, uh, his remaining ambitions, and what a lifetime music has meant to him. And that's when he came to the decision he might just be done with music in terms of writing it. He said it in quotes, it's given me my life. So he's been very, very happy about it. He's been very happy about working on Star Wars, Jurassic Park, Jaws, Close Encounters, E.T., Indiana Jones, Superman, Schindler's List. Harry Potter, and the list goes on and on and on. He's done such great work for so many amazing directors, and I am happy with whatever he chooses to do. Fine. <laughs> Josh, you can still give it an A. It's okay. I'm not controlling you. <laughs> yeah, you're an A, though, Josh, officially. I guess I'll give it a A, because he's him, and he can do what he wants. He's pretty great. But it's sad, the idea of him maybe stopping. He's also, it's not a definitive thing. He said he may stop in 90. So we'll I feel see. Like at some point, he's got to. Yeah, I, I don't know if we should end on Indiana Jones 5, though. I don't know. But it also might be a great film where he's, like, capping off a franchise he started. So, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. <laughs> Moving on to Mario. <laughs> we have Mario Movie News again, Josh. My favorite thing. Uh, Chris Pratt said his Mario voice is unlike anything you've heard in the world of Mario before. What, what does, does that mean? mean? <laughs> My favorite reply to that is the hierarchy of power is going to change the Mushroom Kingdom. This is this everything about them trying to defend Pratt's casting is the most bizarre thing to try to defend. Like, just stop defending it and just say it's a movie that exists. Yeah, say those exact words. It's a movie that exists when you ask when people ask questions about it. That's a, that's what I think every time I hear movie movie. What? What? <laughs> every time I hear movie, I I think exist. <laughs> every every time I see anything about the Mario movie, I'm like, it's a movie. It exists. Uh, I, I'm gonna give it a yay because I'm so intrigued. It's not for a good reason, but hearing it's different than anything we've heard before, when it absolutely should not be different from anything we've heard before, makes me really excited to hear how bad it might be. I can almost guarantee you it's just going to be his normal voice or it'll probably start with him doing an Italian accent and then just going into his normal voice or better yet. He better do like the thickest Italian accent you've ever heard in your life and outdo like Pacino and De Niro in the Godfather series. I still think it should just be all the cast with their voices and just being they're sucked into the game party that they're playing. That'd be fine. I've I have no idea what this movie is going to be, but it's going to be a thing. It will exist, as you said earlier. Indeed. Emma Roberts has been cast in the Spunk universe alongside Sydney Sweeney and Dakota Johnson in Madam Web. This movie has great casting. I want it to be good. It I hope it'll be good. I just I want it to be good. Dakota Johnson is getting like really good roles now since Fifty Shades ended and she's a great actor. Like everyone is great. So I hope that this doesn't make a, a bad track record for any of them. I don't think that I've seen Emma Roberts in quite literally a single thing. I'm going through her IMDb page right now. I've seen her in not one thing. I find that hard to believe. Nope, I've looked through every single thing. I've not seen her in a single thing. Fascinating. So I'm going to give this a hard yay, because meaning she'll be fantastic. <laughs> I can say with full authority. <laughs> I guess I'll give it a yay, because... But you want the movie to happen in the first place? Oh, dear God, no. I don't want any of these movies to be happening. So is but it a nay or yay, then? I just... I was getting to my reasonings for okay, it being okay, a yay. Okay, okay, I say it's gonna be a yay because I like the cast. Okay. There you go. Comic-Con is happening! San Diego! Barbie, again. There's been more set photos for Barbie now. Now they're in 
garish 90s looking outfits and pretty pink and highlighter color knee pads and skates. I'm very... I'm just excited to see Ryan Gosling in a heavily comedic role again, because he hasn't really done one since The Nice Guys, and he is so underrated comedically. He, I, I personally think he's a comedic genius, and he doesn't get the credit he deserves. Did you hear his scream in that clip, though? <laughs> yes, it's beautiful! <laughs> it's incredible. I love it. Yay for everything Barbie, but also, actually, you know what? I'm giving us a hard nay for one reason, right, Josh? I don't want to keep seeing this leaks. I want I'm, this film to be private, and that way I can see all these cool outfits for the first time on screen. I still give yay because Barbie. Come on, Barbie. Let's go party. Percy Jackson and the Olympians, the lightning thief, the show. Ready for it? Sure. They have used uh, a trick from the Mandalorian, from Kenobi, and Thrill of Thunder and stuff. They are using the, the volume technology which is basically a giant LED screen with a lot of tiny pixels. So instead of green screen, they are capturing the environment in real time with these gigantic screens. Cool. Cool. They're using the same technology. And, like, that sounds pretty cool because it's worked before. Right? Yep. Considering I've not watched any of the things that have used it yet, I'm going to go with, this is cool. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you, you've watched things that I've used this technology so far. Yes. Is it, it convincing? Is, it is very convincing. Especially, like, when you learn about it, it's just like, oh, okay. Everything blends together a lot better um, with it than traditional green screens. Here's a fun thing. Did you hear about the Ant-Man thing at Disney Parks? The the th the Thanos? clip of him talking about Thanos? Yeah. yeah. We're not going to talk about it on this podcast. I just want to think it's funny. They, Disney Parks did something pretty fun with Ant-Man. Look up Ant-Man Disney Parks ride and enjoy. <laughs> uh, here's the thing, Voldemort. You know him? Your friends he's, with him? He's missing a nose. As is Gore the God Butcher, and apparently they changed a bit of the look for Gore to avoid comparisons to Voldemort, but I think now he looks more similar to Voldemort, actually, removing the tendrils and this stuff. That's I've, my it's, thought. It's, I hate what the internet has done to, like, you know filmmaking because like you have stuff like that but i also saw someone tweet out like this is probably the exact reason why we're never going to see black cat um in the mcu because catwoman yeah yeah i get it but i also get like i'm trying to avoid comparisons and stuff for things so it feels more original but i think it looks closer to <laughs> a little more now than it would have been because you cut the weird head stuff you know i don't know i don't know i'm giving this a nay because like just make it how it is and don't be afraid of the comparisons it's going to happen Take regardless. It. Yeah. Cool. Jamie Campbell Bauer from Stranger Thonks. He, well, yeah, he's a person. He he has a cool performance in the show, and we can't say anything about what he does in the show till next week. Uh, or later this week. But he'll be starring alongside Aaron Moriarty in True Haunting, a horror film about the first televised exorcism. So that's pretty cool. Neat. I think he's already a really creepy actor. And even, like, his wholesomeness has some weird vibes to it sometimes. I think he can really pull this off. And Erin Moriarty is in The Boys. Yep. She is Stargirl. Sunshine woman. <laughs> she is woman in white clothing. She is the one who makes the powers go wee. Uh, and she brings a, si a shining light. I have got the character perfectly. <laughs> Her name is Starlight, by the way. I said Star and Shining and other words that involved that. 
I'm glad you did. But yeah, that the idea of a horror film about the first exorcism that was televised in 1971 sounds interesting. So yay. I'm curious if it's gonna be like you know more based like in reality as to what happened or if they're going to kind of go with a conjuring route of like you know adding in a lot of stuff to it to really sell the horror of it so moving on josh we saw a movie called the darkest phone nope the grayest phone nope i think it was the blue phone i were to call it the yellow tim the it, oh it was banana phone that's what it was called ring 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 ring. you just ring, brought back ring, so many phone. memories <laughs> Uh, no, the Black Phone was a movie starring Ethan Hawke and set in the 60s, 70s, 80s, sometime. I think late 70s, late early 70s, 80s. Late 70s, early 80s, yeah. Um, and it kind of talks a bit about the idea of the milk carting kids and kids going missing. Mm-hmm. Without being as blunt, but that was the thing that was happening, and we're like, we should start looking for these kids. That was kind of a, a thought at the time. Missing kid posters and, like, literally on milk cartons. So that's where the term milk carting kids came from. And so... It takes place in a small town where a someone who is the grabber is taking kids. That's not spoiler at all. That's, that's just the base plot. We will do non-spoilers first about just general thoughts and feelings, and we'll get into spoilers. Sound good? I guess. Wee! Let's start. So, did you enjoy it, yay or nay? I very much enjoyed it. I give it a very nice yay. A very nice yay? Very kind yay? Yeah, not an aggressive yay. Okay, I'll give it an aggressive yay. Yay! Perfect. Nice. So again, if you have not seen the movie yet and you want to hear absolutely nothing about it so far, there are timestamps on literally every platform you're listening to the podcast on. You can expand, go to the description, and see what time the next section starts on. Cool? Cool. Let's continue. Ethan Hawke plays the grabber, as we said. I don't know. Who played his brother? Because he was really funny. Um, give me a second to look it up, but I loved him in this. He looked... Vaguely like Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, I can see that. Especially in the crazy eyes. I loved that. He had Gyllenhaal's crazy eyes. It was directed by Scott Derrickson, who directed movies like Doctor Strange. The movie's only about an hour 43, but it was great. Joe Hill wrote a short story called The Black Phone, and then Scott Derrickson penned it into a screenplay. Yes, Josh? The guy that played his brother played uh, adult Eddie in It Chapter 2. What? Yeah. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, I see it now. When you said adult Eddie, I thought of Stranger Things first. No, 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 no. Like, Eddie's already, like, he's 20 the whole time. That's, that doesn't change. <laughs> yeah, the, the cast is great. I heard a complaint that I definitely do agree with, though. And that, and I'll get into that complaint into the spoiler section, because it does involve people who die or don't die. But overall, really cool movie. I loved the masks that he had. Yeah. Which, if you've seen the trailer or any posters, you've seen these cool masks. My brother didn't even know, did not even know that it was Ethan Hawke at first because he just saw the masks in the poster. It's a really interesting film. I like the color scheme a lot. Like the aesthetic is really cool. It feels very dingy. If you've seen the movie Room with Brie Larson and you like that movie, I think you will like this. Yeah, and if he's if you've also seen uh, Derrickson's other horror films like Sinister, I haven't. I've only seen clips of it, but it's got similar aesthetics uh, to it. Yeah, definitely. And I think that while there's some stuff that is not fully explained in this movie, some of the more supernaturally vibes in this movie, uh, it's fine. I understand that that not being explained will not work for everyone, and that's, of course, okay, too. For me, it worked. Yeah, I, I would 
I'd say like the vagueness to some things I think is fine. And I think the context to some stuff works. The major MacGuffin in the movie, the major plot point in the movie, I wish we got a bit more about that. Yeah. But other than that, I'm fine with it. It's based on a short story, like I said before, by Joe Hill. And when Scott Derrickson and Robert Cargill wrote it, they definitely wanted to take some liberties, I think. But they, I think, stayed true to the story. I've read the story. It was a while ago. But they did a good job adapting it, and it felt... It did feel like a short story put into a feature film to me. It didn't... Yeah, but... And it was never a film that like overstayed its welcome. Because um, no. usually, sometimes the films could be a lot longer than they should be, or they're not long enough. I th I thought this was a good running time for it. Hour forty three is good to you. Yeah, cool. I agree. I every if you, the base plot. Let's get into that. Uh, the logline movie is after being abducted by a child killer and locked in a soundproof basement, a thirteen year old boy starts receiving calls on a disconnected phone. From the killer's previous victims. That is the the logline. That is not spoilery. That is the what is on IODB as the, the base of the film. I think it was, everyone performed really well. It was violent. They were like yes. watching kids beat each other up viciously. Ooh, when when Gwen grabbed that rock. Ooh, oh yeah. Uh, there are some great moments in this. Some great blood. Some people wanted a bit more gore than it was, and I get that. Someone said like, uh, I've heard. That making the victims and, and the main grabbing is to be about kids. It can be a bit more disconnecting and harder to watch, and I also understand that. But I think it helps because it's not because it's not super over the top violent. It being kids adds a bit more tension to it already. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think also all the connectors in it did a good job. I really yeah, I loved Robin in this. Oh yeah, Robin. Yeah, I think this is a very good uh, cast of young actors. I think. It's been a while since I've seen a consistently great cast of, like, young actors, like, from the ages of, like, 10 to 14, I think since, like, the first It movie came out. Apparently, there's a, on IMDb, one of the goofs is, in the movie is an error in geography. When we drive through the North Denver neighborhood, uh, there's a, a large palm tree in the front yard, which is not possible in Denver. So that's pretty funny to me. There's a lot huh. of, like, I love small things like that people can notice. It's a little frustrating as a filmmaker when people notice small things like that you can't change. But overall, it was really fun. I also love when they use the song Free Ride in the climax. So well done. Yes. Yeah. I, great film overall. I really would highly recommend it if you like horror, if you like thriller, that kind of uh, really tense filmmaking. And if you're okay with seeing children in danger. My mom is not okay with seeing that. A lot of people are not okay with seeing that. And I understand that fully. The cops in this movie actually listen to people. And they're not complete idiots. I like that. <laughs> I do too. My favorite part of this is uh, Troy uh, Rudisil plays Detective Miller in this. And he takes what a young girl in this says seriously. And it made me so happy seeing that. Because I don't... Well, cops in the real world uh, are not great. Point blank, I'm going to say a statement. If you don't agree that, with this, this might not be the podcast for you. <laughs> but because <laughs> we are very, sometimes very politically charged. Last Jedi is amazing. But having uh, um, cops, at least in, in movies like this, when you need them to be good people, be actually good people, it can be refreshing to see. I, I fully... It's it's fascinating to see that, because Joe Hill, um, for those that don't know, is actually the son of Stephen King. And I think it's fascinating that he's kind of taking tropes that his dad had kind of cemented in horror um, through his novels and films, and it's kind of updating that to, you know, be different. Wait, Joe Hill is the son of Stephen King? Yeah, look at the photos side by side. They look exactly alike. 
the right of the first short. Oh my god, his face. There you go. <laughs> I yep. thought it was IMDb profile, and immediately, oh, he wrote the the uh, uh, short story of horns first too. Yeah, the Radcliffe film. Okay, that's really cool. I dig that. Yeah, he wrote the novel Horns. He wrote the TV movie Lock and Key. Yeah, overall, I, I am excited to see more of what Scott Jackson does. I now immediately said, I remember coming out of the theater, I talked to my girlfriend and said, I now need to see all of Scott Jackson's films. Mm-hmm. And I know Josh tweeted about the movie as Scott Jackson liked his tweets. So that's cool. I, that's, all, that's always fun. So Scott Jackson, if, if you're listening, come to the show. We'd love it. <laughs> we'll talk about this- your next film. There's this. This is a very no. This is a different film. Uh, but I'm very fat. I'm very fascinated now to see the rest of his filmography, especially his horror filmography. I heard Sinister is very good and very creepy. And I'm very curious what his version of Multiverse of Madness would have been like. Yeah, I'm very curious because Raimi obviously did a lot of horror stuff with it. So like, was Derrickson going to go to that levels, or would it have been more than that? And because there's not a lot to talk about this movie without major spoilers we should get into the spoilers pretty quickly because again there's, there's really not much we can say but because of the nature of this being a almost completely bottle movie of being like a movie room mostly one location for it like the locked room he's in we get some outside perspective of his family looking for him and such but other than that it's mostly the setup and then when they're in the room it's mostly in the room so because of that let's just talk about spoilers ready for that josh i guess Okay, spoiler time now. Wow, what a movie this was. Uh, what a great movie. Uh, what's his face? Uh, Mason Thames, who plays Finny, he's great. He's 14 now. That, wow. I'm going to send you a picture, okay? Okay. I want you to look at this face. I'm going to send you. And did he look at all familiar to you when you watched the movie? Any any familiar vibes? I guess I had, it. he looked like a bit familiar, but like okay. I can't. Picture Heath Ledger. Whoa. Right? It's the same face. And I thought that was <laughs> in crazy. It was crazy seeing that. Like, young Heath Ledger looks so much like this made actor. This is the same face. One's just older. He- Heath Ledger is not in the film. That's the spoiler. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the thing I was talking about earlier that some people had a problem with that I definitely do agree with is that one critique of this is that all of the kids of color die and they all help the white kids survive. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. That's not all. Like Every minority kid who gets captured dies apparently pretty viciously. And the entire movie is just, come on, let's save the white boy. And I, I understand the critique. Um, I It might have been a purposeful choice of Scott Derrickson to show what people at the time were caring about the most, like uh, how racism affected how the cops did their job, potentially. But it came across in a bit of a, a bad way, I think. And yeah, thought, that's... Yeah, yeah. you, you know, such so like, ah, interesting. It's, yeah, maybe we should have investigated who we were casting for those first few parts. It is very violent, this movie, in terms of the first few scenes. Not as much in the locked-up room, but, like, the kids beating each other up. I was not expecting that as much. Yeah, it's, it's very inter- interesting to what? see a movie... I can't word. It's very interesting to see a movie with kids and violence and like them being each other up. It's just like, oh, right. Blood does happen when you do fight. I also, my girlfriend had a very interesting thing to say and that she would have died because she would never have answered a disconnected phone. And you know what? I might not have either. 
Yeah, I can understand that. It's a little spooky. Uh, I love that the reason that he did survive is he didn't play into the game. Yeah. I think that's pretty great. The, the gist of the story he gives is that Ethan Hawke's character, the Grabber, whose only name in the whole film was just the Grabber, traps kids and makes them go through these kind of, like, sadistic trials. And if they participate, they will eventually play the game and he'll overpower them and win. It was a, it's a weird power trip, which is what most abductions are about. It's about weird power trips that people have. I, I very much like that. They, they did not really ex- explain... A whole lot of like you know what the game is and they give you like clues and stuff but they leave a lot of it up to your imagination as to what it, what it could possibly be because like we don't know exactly what happens to them before they die no we're seeing an alive kid who's not playing along ethan hawks the grabber wants the kid is to play naughty boy that's what he calls the game where you gotta do the wrong thing but still participate in it and then he'll get punished Including things like whipping you with a belt or hurting you with, like, with, with a knife or whatever. None of, almost none, of the escape attempt stuff that, Je- that what's his name, Finney tried at the beginning, like from the first few phone calls, did anything. Like they never even came back into play in the end. It's like, we all helped you escape. No, you didn't. One of you helped them escape. Just the, one of you. The- I mean, the other ones, like, you know, tried to help, at least, like, in what they knew. I know, it was really funny. But at the end, it's like, we're all here for you. We all did our part. I'll help get you out. Really? <laughs> By the end, it was literally just the one last thing that helped. Yeah, it was all that. It was all how many things went absolutely nowhere to me in this movie. But I'm fine with it. Let's- yeah, for, for me, it didn't draw me out. Like, it's just like, oh, why didn't why didn't this work? Why aren't we going back to that? Right. It's like, you, you started this task, but you never finished that task. Like, I started digging out. Okay, you can go back and keep digging out. What, that didn't need to stop happening, you know? Or the fact that he pulled... Or things that the grabber didn't notice later on was odd to me. Like him pulling off the window bars. Well, he probably, like, um, stuffed that, like, in the hole. No, he did stuff that in the hole. No, but he would have noticed the change in the window. Well, I don't think he's really concerned with the window. Because he, he knows how high it is, and he knows, as far as he's aware, that there's no way for him to get out through there. Yeah, I don't know. It, would, it felt odd to not see a reaction to that. Of, you did, uh, like, he was, at that point, kind of being a naughty kid in the grabber's eyes, I guess. Of, you're trying to escape. But I, maybe he wants him to try and escape and not be able to get out also. I'm not sure. And his brother... Hilarious. Did not deserve to die or get axed in the head. Uh, graphic. What a way to go. <laughs> At least it seemed quick. But I love that his brother was like a genuinely good person and just trying to help him out. That that was my favorite thing of that he was trying to figure out what happened to the kids and then it go the camera moves underneath the floor and then you see the kid in the basement. Yeah, that was great. In this movie, the villain, the grabber, has two houses from each other. Nearly identical houses across the street. One for burying bodies in, and one for keeping the live bodies in. So if that, you that find was a, one, it's, you don't always find the other. Yeah, that, that was a great, um, I guess, subversion or just a, a great trick uh, filmmaking-wise. I thought that was very clever. Right, because when... Oh, wait, yeah, Gwen, his sister, Finney's sister, the main kid's sister, when uh, she can see in her dreams the future slash current things happening, vaguely, sometimes, and she got to see talk to the weird ghosts who were in the phone and get a glimpse of where the house is, but she saw the wrong side of the street. Mm-hmm. But I think that's one thing that 
half bothered me is the dreams things were inconsistent, but it also made sense because no one told her how it works. It's just kind of happening to her. Yeah. So there's I have small pet peeves with supernatural stuff, but also I, it doesn't matter because in the real world, world, if supernatural stuff was happening to us, we wouldn't have the answers written out for us. So I get it. Yeah. And she's, she's like 11, so for her not having an understanding of this makes complete sense. I hated their father the entire oh, time. Oh, 100%. <laughs> uh, if you... Oof. Their father, Finney and Gwen's dad, horrible man. Abuser, horrible, single father, drinks constantly, attacks his kids, whips them, I, says they cannot even put ice on their wounds. Horrible dad. I... I am very happy this avoided what a lot of films like with a character like that sometimes do of where they give them a redemption at the end or something like that. They don't do that here, and I'm very happy with that. Like he said, I'm sorry, and he hugged them, realizing how, how much he needed You can tell them. the kid's face is just like, this means nothing to us. Absolutely. And they aren't still in a safe environment after getting freed. Finn, uh, status part of this movie is that after everything Finney does, he kills the grabber and gets out. He's going back to an abusive home. Yeah. It's a still a tragic thing, and they never like. It would have been kind of cool to me if all the people, all the previous victims, were still there. I, at first, I thought the black phone was going to connect them to other rooms. That, uh. I thought that would been really cool. I didn't watch almost any of the full trailers for this beforehand, mm -hmm. but I really, really liked how the ghosts didn't remember who they were fully. Really fascinating. Like, yeah, I thought that was cool. The male kid who tossed the newspaper on street. He's mm -hmm. like, I was like, I'm not that name anymore. I'm not that kid. I am not here anymore. Like, so my life, my life doesn't matter. Let's help you out first. Fascinating. I liked that part of it. Anything? There's not much to spoil here. I guess like, he got out. Uh, he killed the grabber. The way he killed the grabber was pretty cool. I loved a lot of the visual style in this. I love when movies that are like this leave some things kind of vague. Yeah, I think. Overall, I very much enjoyed this. This, is, this felt very refreshing horror-wise. I know people were saying that X, which came out back in, I think it was March, that like it was such a refreshing horror film. And to me personally, I I do not like it. I thought that that was... Nah, it's, it's, it's a whole thing. But to see an actual like horror director step back into the realm of horror and make something that's not only suspenseful, but has very well-written characters and made me actually like tense for the whole film. That to me is refreshing to see because that we don't see that too often these days. And Josh and I do not always agree on horror movies. It's kind of like up in the air if we'll agree or not on this. And like we both have thought it was a really fun time. Fun is the wrong word, I guess, but like I went into this to kind of distract myself from the horrors of the world at the time by watching a horror movie. <laughs> and it did. It distracted me well. I got a, an adventure out of this movie. It feels like this is going to be Scorsese's words. Like a theme park ride a bit and how I'm, it goes. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It's like a horror theme park ride. It's got the right tension at the right times. The right scares at the right times. It does a lot of things really well. Uh, but it's not like formulaic, necessarily. Correct. And I think a lot of it does come down to the casting. Everyone, I, I, I think Ethan Hawke's making a bit of a comeback. Not that he ever really went anywhere, but it just feels like he's having a bit more of a career resurgence in the mainstream media. Yeah. And I love that. You've seen all of Moon Knight, right? Yes. Do you like his Arthur Chase in Moon Knight? Yes, I thought that it's very different compared to like the other villains that we've seen in the MCU so far. And of course, he does a good job because he's Ethan Hawke. I really appreciated also the fact that in this movie, they did touch on where their mom is. 
Because you didn't have to. You didn't have to mention all what happened to her mom. And it does bring in a bit more of the how Gwen got her powers, but not fully. Just like it's kind of, I guess, genetic. Sure. And it's also probably a bit more of why the husband is so uh, abusive and alcoholic, which is none of that's like, condoning in that, or it's an explanation, not a permission thing. Yeah. But I, I really... I don't have anything negative to say about this movie, really, besides, like, I have vague nitpicks. The runtime it has, it just doesn't explain every single detail. And that's okay. Any big thoughts you want to say, Josh? I think, uh, I think I've said my thoughts on this. Uh, good movie. Go see it when you can. Uh, yeah. There were weird little earthquake stuff that was happening in the room. Oh, yeah, I forgot about and that. And there was, like, bottles flying places out of nowhere. And, like, you could have at least touched, like, did the ghosts do that? What happened there? So again, I think some of the supernatural stuff might not be everyone's favorite thing. First escape attempt didn't work out so good. He left and got caught. Not great. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. Go Yay. see it. Josh, did hmm? you know there's a character in Marvel Comics? No. Crazy. Eee. You know what it's time for? I don't. A super weird story. Oh, yeah, that's a thing. Explain why it's called this, this segment here. I'm an idiot. I know nothing about nothing. Specific, that, that, <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a stroke. Uh, I'm an idiot that knows nothing about nothing, specifically comic books. And so this is a segment where Sean tells me the weirdest things that he can about comics. They can either be racist. They could be enlightening. They could be just, huh? Sometimes they're wholesome. Sometimes. Not often. Not often. Sometimes they're just fun, like the swordsman. But you mentioned racist in this one. Oh, no. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have said anything. So from the 1970s. Oh, uh, boy. There's a character named John Anvil. And okay. He was attached in a prison to a prisoner named Leroy the Hammer Jackson. So they're Anvil and Hammer. Okay. This is to remind everyone that comics... Even if they try, often fail. And maybe, just just maybe, just maybe we should not have white writers writing about race relations and with no other input. Just maybe. Oh, no. <laughs> so, the two uh, writers are Len Wein and Herbert Waldo Trimp. Both are uh, have done a lot of stuff in comics for many years, but they're also the creators of Leroy... Uh, Jackson and John Anvil and are both white men writing about a story involving race and prison. Shall when we was begin? This? Take a guess at the exact year when this character with, first debuted. I'm going with mid-90s. 1974 is when this character first debuted. Ah. Uh, their death was in 1986. We'll see how this goes. Let's start with Anvil, who looks like a racist. And guess what? Johnny Anvil was a convict and a white racist. Oh, this is off to a swimming start. He has, like, buzz cut blonde hair, like, a very square jaw. He looks like a Chad in the worst way. Not If your name is Chad, great, good for you. Just be a good per represent Chad's well. But this guy, Johnny Anvil, first off, stupid name. I'm going to send you a picture of this guy, okay? He looks like a racist. Yeah... As a part of a chain gang, he was chained to black prisoner Leroy Jackson. The pair's hatred of prison, however, was stronger than their hate for each other. Oh boy. Uh, Is this Green Book? 
and they succeeded in escaping the chain gang while still chained together. Hammer stole a, a 38 handgun from a guard, and when the two encountered an alien who had crashed on Earth, Hammer tried to kill it, but accidentally wound up saving the creature's life instead. It fed on metal and used the bullets fired at it to regenerate. The alien wanted to, to thank them and replaced the chain linking them with a device that granted them superhuman powers. This is a great origin story. The, sure. two, the two returned to prison seeking revenge, but wound up battling the Hulk instead. <laughs> what? The Hulk got in the way, it looks like, Josh. It's okay. I, I don't want to battle the Hulk, though. The Hulk was in that prison, looks like, or went in that prison at the time. And then, Hammer and Anvil were hired as field operatives by the Deterrence Research Corporation. They encountered and battled Spider-Man and the Guardians of the Galaxy. They also encountered a group called the Freaks, and Hammer and Anvil kidnapped Amanda Sheridan from the DRC and fought Spider-Woman. They had a lot of conquests together, it looks like. Lured into the Nevada desert to fight the Hulk, Hammer was shot through the head with an explosive bullet by the Scourge of the Underworld, disguised as a Native American shaman. Linked by the Synthicon to his dead ally, ally Anvil died soon afterward. So, in-universe, we had the black man shot in the head by an explosive bullet by a Native American shaman. Or someone disguised as a Native American shaman, sorry. This is already starting out fantastic. And by fantastic, I mean horrible. Thoughts on the story of Anvil so far? I'm uncomfy. But just wait, Josh. <laughs> oh, wait, there's more. The energy synthicon which linked Anvil to his uh, partner Hammer also linked their life forces. Thus, if one died, soon did the other. This I sounds like that this would be written in like early 2000s for some kind of dramatic film, and it would have won many Oscars. Is this Green Book, Josh? Superhero Green Book? Yeah. Yes. But Leroy Jackson. I'll show you what he looks like, okay? Okay. Leroy Hammer Jackson was a son of Cracker Jack Jackson. Oh my. And he grew up to become a criminal, claiming to hate everyone and everything. He was sentenced to prison for reasons that have not been revealed, and was assigned there to a chain gang. <sighs> An unidentified person in the prison administra administration with a perverse sense of humor decided that Hammer, who was black, should be chained while working to the chain gang to another prisoner, Johnny Anvil, who was a well-known racist. So, the name of the alien they encountered was named Chli, or Klee. It's C-H-L-E-E-E, -E -E, so Klee, probably. A member of the alien race, Jix. And then, apparently Klee was unaware that Hammer had actually been uh, trying to kill him. Which is way better to me. <laughs> here's, here's some powers. He seemed like he could use some help. <laughs> uh, and Klee wished to thank him and Anvil, believing the chain linking the wrist to be merely a drab adornment. So he, the alien thought that the chain was, like, a pretty little bracelet for them. And I love that. <laughs> I love that. So not, not only does he think that, oh, they're not trying to murder me, all oh, each other. Yeah, he thinks they're best friends. <laughs> uh, and Klee split the chain and used a device called a molecular transfuser to create an energy synthicon, joining their wrists in its place by absorbing kinetic energy. The energy synthicon granted the two escaped convicts a superhuman strength, Jix them departed to his starship. Hammer and Anvil returned to the prison and used their new superhuman strength to begin tearing it apart by revenge, as, as we said before. Then suddenly, the monstrous Hulk arrived at the prison. <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> by coincidence, the Hulk had, had recently met Cracker Jack Jackson, Leroy's dad, 
who was on his way to the prison to visit his son. And who befriended... I was about to say, how does he meet Cracker Jack? <laughs> and also, Cracker Jack befriended the, the lonely monster beforehand. Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> the Grateful Hulk took the Elder Jackson into the prison, leaping over the outer wall. Seeing the father, Hammer began quarreling with him. Why? Cracker Jack? Oh, no. In this spelling, they wrote Cracker Jack. I hate the word. <sighs> Jackson accidentally brushed his hand against the Energy Synthicon, whose power killed him on contact. Jeez. So we have more dead Daffer superheroes. Of course. Yeah, enraged at the death of his friend, the Hulk attacked Hammer and Anvil because he thinks it's their fault. This miscommunication throughout all of this is great. <laughs> the two convicts, convicts fought back, but finally the Hulk seized hold of the Energy Synthicon, despite the pain it caused even to his superhuman form, and split it in two. The Synthicon had linked Hammer and Anvil physically as well as... This says physically as well as physically. <laughs> <laughs> and the mental shock it suffered when the Synthicon was severed drove them both insane. Okay. The rest of the story is pretty much what I already told you before. But this one is more detailed, and the last one... Well? Do you want to know how they died, specifically? Sure. Somehow. <laughs> Somehow. This, this, Palpatine returned. The, so, hold on. Somehow the Synthicon became operational once more. Of course. Because <laughs> they had previously been broken by Spider-Woman. It is not known whether or for how long Hammer and Anvil remained employed by the DRC. However, it, a considerable time after their defeat by Spider-Woman. Okay. Hammer and Anvil, once again linked by a Synthicon, encounter the Hulk in the desert in New Mexico again. Then the, <laughs> then, the enigmatic assassin Scourge, who had been disguised as an aged American Indian, killed Hammer by shooting him in the face. Apparently, the Synthicon now linked with, with, with the life forces of Hammer and Anvil, and Anvil cannot remove it, at least not by himself. On seeing Hammer dying, Anvil realized that he himself would perish as a result. Indeed, when Hammer expired seconds later... Anvil's life came to an end as well. That's the story of them, in a nutshell. It's not super long, there weren't a ton of issues, but guys, the racist and the, and the, and the black men have to be chained together. And now psychically. I hate it. You see, I think that the creators of them saw that, like, oh, Stan Lee, he did so much for minorities in, in comic <laughs> book. Like, we could do something similar to that. What can we do? A racist. Guys, we can all be friends. That's how it works, right? <laughs> uh, we, especially when we're we can literally hold hands especially when we're chained together so we have seven appearances of leroy jackson earth 616 that's it wait does that mean that they're uh i was about to say does that mean that they somehow made a multiverse story with that if they're chained together constantly how does it how do they go to the bathroom um i guess when one like shits the other one shits his pants <laughs> <laughs> there, there are many things that they clearly did not think about when they. I think when they psychically linked them together. I think that aliens my best part of the story. The, the aliens like completely misinterpreting everything is hilarious to me. You're trying to uh, save me. Thank you. Here, I like your bracelet. I'll make it better. Now it's psychic. <laughs> what? Uh. That's the episode for the week, guys. We actually have another one recording in a few days about Stranger Things and Thor Love and Thunder. We are combining them, actually, not making the two separate episodes because both are huge events and they're, like, back-to-back. -back. So, 
Woo! If you want to have your questions or comments talked about on the show, you can email the, the podcast at podgeekspeak at gmail.com or tweet at us with hashtag geekspeakpod or the Twitter handle at geekspeakpod and you will find us pretty fast. Um, and we will address all your questions, comments, and concerns on the podcast on the air every episode if you have to send anything in. Honestly, sometimes our friends text us and I'll sometimes just read it off because they are too lazy to send an email. <laughs> um, which I think is pretty funny. Josh, where can people find you in the world of the internet? Go to the grams of Insta at J underscore Rudy 16. Twitter at J underscore Rudy 28. YouTube at Josh Rudolph. And on TikTok at Rudy underscore the film nerd. Josh is against consistency and I appreciate it. Indeed. Where can you find me? You can find me on Twitter at the theater nerd. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at that nerd and theater. I think that's the places you can find me. Maybe on Letterboxd at that theater nerd. I'm also on IMDb. Search up Sean Williams. You can find Josh on IMDb. Search up Josh Rudolph. You can see our filmography. Crazy. Thank you for listening to the show. We had a great time recording this. Um, if you are a new listener, thank you so much for, for joining. If you are a return listener, thank you so much for coming back. It means the world to us. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Audible, wherever you listen to your podcast, make sure to click that follow button, as well as leave a five-star rating and positive review. It will help out a ton and gets more listeners. Thank you. Thanks. Josh, say, go, say something silly. Uh, cheese. Are you getting like a- Sky? I want a cheese sky. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.